You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 1865 Match Report and I'm Baz and we're recording this the day after Forest recorded their first away win in the Premier League of the 21st century. With Taiwo Awanyi scoring his fifth goal of the season to take the Reds out of the relegation zone and possibly even within touching distance of mid-table. Uh, we lined up unchanged in what's becoming a familiar 4-3-3 lineup with Henderson in goal, Bolly and Worrell at the back with Lodie and Aurier alongside them, and a midfield three of Froyle, Mangala and Yates, and then topped off with Gibbs-White down the centre and a Wanyi and Johnson on the flanks. Um, it wasn't a game of uh, loads of chances. The first chance fell to Southampton with the ball over the top for Shea Adams to run onto, but he pushed his shot wide, but Henderson seemed to stand up well for it. Taiwo beat his fullback. The ball spun across to the centre of the pitch, eventually reaching Jono on the other side, who hit the bar. Ward-Prowse put a free kick over. Gibbs-White put a tame shot wide. And then the key moment of the game, Taiwo pressured Lianco, who then put his shot uh, his pass short. Jono ran onto it, outpaced his defender, and having learnt the lesson from the Chelsea game, he squared it to Taiwo, who had an open goal from six yards, and Forrest got only their second away goal of the season. Further half chance when Gibbs-White did some good work to put a high ball into the box and Yates had put his head wide. And then in the second half, Taiwo had another chance. He did a load of pressing, caused them problems, but put a shot from distance over the bar. And then that was about it in terms of um, like chances. Saints pressured us towards the end of the game, but they didn't manage a shot on target. Um, although we weren't really that better if you look at the stats. Um, I used to have to go to Southampton for work and I know what that journey's like so there was no way I was going to the match but one person who did make that long trip was a uh, slightly croaky uh, Tom Newton so Tom how was it for you? It, it was an enjoyable away trip after the trouble and what you put into it and not getting back until three o'clock this morning <laughs> it would have been obviously not great if we didn't come away with a win but um, no it was um it was a brilliant uh, away trip and uh, thankfully we got the, the three points on our first away league win of the season. I mean, yeah, I have to say, I mean, Southampton being the position they're in and um, the way we played against <coughs> Chelsea, I was quietly confident about this one. But um, listening to it on the radio, it didn't sound like it was a great game. It, it wasn't. I mean, they had their chance early on and then Forrest played some like, really good stuff in the first half, but... As the game went on and they're just like void of any quality of Southampton, I think they, how they were playing, we went down to their level and mm. all didn't stick. It was a bit scrappy, um, et cetera. But we got the goal and at no point in the game I wasn't 
overly concerned. Uh, I didn't think they would score. Um, the only time where I was actually bricking it was at that Walkhouse free kick in the first half, but went over the bar and then uh, obviously soon after uh, we had the breakaway one he scores and yeah, Forrest uh, pretty comfortable last night to be honest. Excellent. I mean, part of that's got to be the fact that we we see we have a bit of a settled side now. It's for the maybe. I mean, yeah, the the, the we've got Bolly and Worrell in the middle of the part, which is maybe different to to last year. But apart from that, it's the, the side seems to be picking itself, which I, I quite like the sound of. Yeah, and everybody's getting a better understanding of each other. I mentioned it in the previous um, match uh, report with uh, Steve. Um, yeah, everybody's getting a great understanding how the play um, runs off the ball, etc. And it's just boding really well. And hence, we're having a settled side. And I think he's only like one defeat in seven or something like that, mm. which is, um, yeah, we're getting a bit of form. And if you look at around, it's the best thing we've done all season. He's, Stephen, he's keeping Steve Cooper in the job. <coughs> if you look at our relegation rivals um, in terms of Southampton last night, it was toxic from mm. um, their like vendetta um, against Nathan Jones. And it was a bit similar when Nathan Jones took the job at Stoke. Their fans just wasn't having him. And it was the same last night. They just, whatever he did, they were booing him. Elanus, he, uh, he cheered when he was getting substituted and he come back on the field because they didn't know which the sub. And he's like, got booed and he got cheered. It's <laughs> Then you can't evidence in the situation. So, yeah, that's yeah. We've got a lot going for us at the moment, and we're only going to improve in my eyes. Absolutely. Well, we'll come back to Nathan Jones later because I've got a few things I want to say about him as well. But um, one of the things I've noticed recently, uh, certainly from Man U onwards, is um, like I always had it in my head, and I think a lot of us had it in our heads that a one year was a straightforward, like number nine kind of centre forward. But we've been playing him on the right with Gibbs White in the centre. And he's not, I, I said during, during uh, in the Man U match report, um, he doesn't hold the ball up, doesn't, doesn't Taiwo. But what he's, what he seems to have done and what we've discovered about him is he loves to run at people and, and take them on. Um, I think in, in playing him out wide kind of brought him to life a bit. Yeah, and I mean, when he was running at Koulibaly on um, Sunday, he didn't know what to do with him. He didn't want to run with him. And he, there's definitely a player in there. You don't score 15 goals in the Bundesliga with your bang average or below average. Um, and they've worked really hard with me. If you notice at the start of the season, and I mentioned this on the previous um, match report, is that a one he was a bit raw, a bit this and that. But yeah, since the um, international, well, the World Cup break, he scored, uh, I mean, he could have scored a hat-trick against Blackburn. He took his goal well, played well against um, Chelsea on Sunday. He ran at um, the back for United, but nobody was in 40 yards of him, so it was yeah. a bit hard. And then he got his goal last night, so... <coughs> And I think it's as much, yeah, we've got an understanding now of what he's good at and he knows where yeah. he's fitting into the side a bit more. Yeah. Uh, however, speaking of um, the United game, so both both of us noticed that is that, yeah, whenever a one you got the ball, he was just isolated and on his own. Whereas last night, it sounded like we were pressing from the front, more like the second half against Chelsea. Yeah, and we looked a lot better. Where I thought 
the first half against Chelsea was a bit tentative. Mm. Our faces and and last night and especially the first half was aggressive and uh, tackles were going in and we look when we're like on the front foot and aggressive we're uh, we are a good side um, to watch I mean there's still room for improvement but we've got something going for us and and yeah I, if we just keep improving bit by bit get the odd point away from home um, and a home form is pretty decent to be uh, to be honest. Then we get uh, probably two or three players in this window. I think we'll be all right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one question I've got for you then. Um, so earlier in the season, I was watching um, Bolly playing, and I was like, "What have we bought here? What, why have we got him? He was—he seemed just seemed to be like wandering all over the pitch and all over the place, and we, everyone's." noted the criticism of Joe Worrell where he seemed to be a bit um, struggling to get to grips with the Premier League and the extra pace and the extra concentration needed but they seem to be at the moment our first choice centre-half pairings um, how did they play last night then? Um, yeah pretty well um, I, I don't think Joe Worrell missed a header all game and Bolly just kept it simple um, there, there was just one occasion I think in the second half where it was just a bit um, guilty in possession and I think it, we tried to be a bit too clever and then they nicked the ball and I thought at times we might have been like our, uh, our own downfall because um, Furlow a couple of times he was guilty in possession but thankfully they didn't hurt us but on the whole I thought well, and, well the back four to be honest mm. uh, they've, got, they've got a back four there now where Early in the season, there were some like players what were struggling to make the step up, etc. But Jorge mm. has been absolutely brilliant. Lodi's now is getting a, a greater understanding of the English game and how we play, and he he pretty decent last night. Apart from one lunging tackle, which was a bit naive, and he got Bolly and Walt, and it's two games on the trot now. Henderson hasn't had a save to make. Um, brilliant, Lodi, yeah. and. <coughs> Mandala, at the moment, he's only got 60 minutes in him, but him, Yes, and Furla are pretty decent as well. So, <clears throat> yeah, the team's really gelling, um, really gelling, and they're going to only get better in time. Brilliant. Um, I have to ask about uh, Gustavo Scarpa. Uh, I've seen, uh, like, read a couple of match reports, and they've sort of put him in as man of the match, even though he only got 20 minutes, and he's obviously made a big impact with the fans in general, with his uh, skateboarding and his um, attempting to speak with an English accent and all that, and his Rubik's Cube. Yeah. He's, How was he last night then? He did he, he did really well. Um, I think well, everybody's just been excited to see him because obviously um been a bit homestrung in terms of him arriving and obviously not being able to play because of the... Uh, um, transfer regulations and things like that but there was one where it was like is it this ball I think is he had a shot there and he's mm. pinged it very well he was on the like right wing and thought what a pass and he's going to be a special player really he's <coughs> touch awareness understanding and he's tracking back and he can defend so he's going to have a really good second half of the season for us Fantastic. That's, that's really good to know. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him then. Um, right, I want to go back to Nathan Jones for a sec um, and and Southampton in general, actually. Um, so uh, Rich reminded me the other day, I'd completely forgotten about this, but Nathan Jones apparently played in that 
infamous Yeovil semi-final in League One. Um, and apparently I turned to him and said, oh my God, I hate that player. He's awful. I really can't stand him. And as a manager, it's exactly the same. I, I hate him. I can't stand him. Um, what it is about him and is he going to do anything at Southampton, do you reckon? Um, no. I, I, is that... With, with um, Southampton, I don't know a, lot, a great deal about Southampton, but for the last few years, I've had something decent in terms of buying players, selling them on. And Hassan was like, he, he just come to the end of his like shelf life and Southampton thought they were going to get somebody better. And ultimately, as soon as Nathan Jones was linked and got the job, I thought they're planning for the championship. He's, he's all right in like, clubs punching above the weight, i.e. a looter, etc. <coughs> but when he's going into these like bigger clubs, I mean, he went to Stoke a few years ago, they weren't having him. And I remember when we went top under Sadbury on that Friday night, and they scored first, and he's like turning around to the Stoke fans, like geeing them up and everything, and they were like just returning with like the V sign and everything, and and you think actually with the reputation Stoke have, he'd probably be quite a good fit for them with that sort of yeah. aggressive in your face kind of last there the antics last season, and he just he's when you listen to him, he's deluded. Mm. When touchline. He's just an, he's an idiot, and and like I can't repeat what they said, but they, it was toxic last night. <coughs> so um, um, actually, yeah. So speaking of Southampton, then, so what we have now is a slightly different to normal view from the opposition. We've got four people: Joe, Stephen, Julius, and Chris. Uh, two of whom travelled all the way from Canada to uh, watch that Southampton performance. <laughs> Dedication, that is. Uh, it's hard to imagine a match where the players could have done less when the ball could have done more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Yeah, worst game I've ever seen, I think, and uh, I much prefer the 9 nils. And uh, we were beaten by the better team, but um, it looked like our players had never played together before and Forrest were just a smidgen better than we were. Not worth the money from coming from Canada at all like at all worst performance I've ever seen even on TV like yeah yeah that was depressing stuff I thought Forrest will uh, were the better side they deserved the victory uh, but they offered very little uh, there was they defended you know they defended valiantly towards the end in particular and kept us quiet but they had no creativity. They barely string a few passes together. Never seen so many fouls in a single game, which is disgusting. Oh, pretty good at shirt tugging. Lots I think they, they really got a... The ref was awful. I mean, he, did, he let so much rubbish go. Yeah. All the, sh the arm pulling and the shirt tugging. And then the first ten minutes, the amount of times they went down and then just lay there till the ref came up and then they sort of recovered. So I think that, unfortunately, both those teams will be playing each other next year in the Championship. So, uh, as you can hear there, um, they're not very pleased with the result, but they didn't think we were much better. The 1865 Match Report. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast.
one thing that we have been getting a growing reputation for is our fans. Uh, the reputation, uh, the, the the atmosphere at the city ground has been amazing all season. And away from home, as as Tom, you you know, um, we're getting a growing reputation amongst the the other fans in the Premier League as well. Uh, so, what was it like in the stands? Um, that was the best atmosphere away from home. All season, uh, uh, I don't, I'm not going to go into the reasons because obviously people are put on Twitter and they've got their opinions and everything. And I, I understand people can't get because of travel costs, this time and the other. But last night, from start to finish, it was like non-stop singing, and it seemed like it was the actual core <coughs> who go away from home last night, and uh, we just it lads on and. Got over the line and got the one 0 winning three points and out the relegation zone. What do you think? Um, I've said this before. Actually, is like my one of my favourite games from years and years and years ago was one where we went to Norwich away, and it looked like it was going to fall out into one of those dull nil nil draws, but the. The, the away fans just kept singing and singing and singing and Steve Stone bundled the ball in right towards the end and he said on the radio the next day it was because of them, because they kept going, they kept us going. And it is, it's, it's, if we've got that support, then that's always going to give us a chance. And But I also remember when there were points when we would rely as fans, we would rely on the players to do something on the pitch to get us to start singing. It's the other way around now, isn't it? And that's got to be because of Steve Cooper. Yeah, um, definitely. And another thing is that if you look at the other teams around us, like I mentioned, is a toxic um, environment with Everton, uh, West Ham will probably get to that point if they keep losing games. <coughs> Southampton last night, but We've never turned on the club or the manager or the players. This we just kept together and basically closed ranks, really, haven't we? And just carried on singing, supporting the lads, and um, reaping the rewards of that at the moment with our current form. So, um, just uh, dropping into Steve Cooper, um, we'll, we'll probably just we'll touch on this quickly because obviously we'll deal with it much more when we do one of our ramble podcasts uh, later on. But uh, we've got the transfer window coming up. Emmanuel Dennis was on the bench but didn't make it on the pitch last night. Uh, so all the rumours are that he's on his way out. Um, what do you see happening in the transfer window? Um, I think it just hasn't worked with Dennis for whatever reason. I mean, last night he didn't even come out for the warm-up at half-time. Hmm. And that's telling. And when Johnson went off last night and Nico Williams come on, um, you you might have thought that he might have put Dennis on just to keep the ball at the other end of the pitch. But... It didn't happen, and it's like the risk with every uh, transfer, isn't it? It's like some work, some don't. <coughs> and uh, I think his days are numbered, to be yeah. honest. That's so, an interesting thing as well. That's three games in a row where Williams has come on to play effectively on the right wing rather than as a fullback. Yeah, back in it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just hasn't worked with uh, Dennis. I'm, to be honest, it, it seems a bit like I wouldn't say a panic signing, but. It seemed to be one of those like always oh, available. Let's let's get him. Mm. Uh, we spent big money on him, and was it 10, 15 million? And I don't think we're going to get that. But probably the good thing about being in the Premier League at the moment is you can probably make a loss on a transfer and not mm. hurt. You. 
would in the championship. And so, he's obviously he's obviously a decent player, but it is just one of those things, and it sometimes it don't work out for people. Yeah, I mean, the times when he's come on, he's looked a bit bright, but his ball control has been a bit all over the place. Then he basically gifted. I knew the third goal didn't he last week, and uh, and I know according to journalists, i.e., John Percy, etc., infuriated the coaching staff and. I, I don't know Dennis and I don't want to um, be um, disrespectful of him but he seems to be more bothered about horsing around dancing rather than probably concentrating on, on his football And but it's probably that's what the players like in the 21st century and they're more bothered about <laughs> rather than concentrating on being a better player but ultimately hasn't worked for him has it? Uh, so, just to take things on a slightly more positive note, uh, if you look at the table now, I think we're 15th, uh, level on points with Leeds and Leicester above Bournemouth, who um, were giving us a load of stick earlier in the season after after our loss with them. Um, we've got Wolves uh, sort of on the up at the moment with their, with their new manager, um, but West Ham and Everton are sinking, sinking fast. Uh, as you say, Everton in particular seems particularly toxic and it's not just Frank Lampard, who's another manager I don't like, but also the way the club seems to be run is the, is the problem there. Um, so actually, things are looking a lot better for us quite suddenly, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, we've got the two cup games um, now, which um, I've been asked to go through, obviously, both of them, then uh, not Leicester, and I won't want to uh, use the word of revenge, but Obviously, uh, we got our bellies tickled, didn't we, at, um, at the King Power. So it'd be nice to um, beat them at home. And then I don't know who it is after. I think it's either... Bournemouth away and then Leeds at home. So if you look at, at the table and then who we're playing, it's Leicester, Bournemouth and Leeds. It's, it's Once again, we're entering a critical phase of the season. Yeah, then we've got the visit of Manchester City, haven't we? So, yeah, yeah. The crucial point of getting points on the board and everything and just keeping our heads above water. I mean, if we could get, if we could win those home games and maybe sneak a point at Bournemouth, seven points on the table before Man City yeah. come here, that'd be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. And then if you look at the points, I think, I can't remember how many points we were on, but I don't, I mean, in previous seasons, 38 has been the magical number. And I don't think it's going to be that high this year. I think it's going to be... I think there there are some pretty bad teams. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we're we're past halfway now if we just keep plugging away. And, I mean, I'm not saying just like roll the red carpet out when we play Man City. Um, I know it's going to be an incredibly hard game, but... Weird thing is, actually, I think City are beatable at the moment. Recently, if you watch them, they don't like being pressed. So, playing at the City ground... And the way we we press high up the pitch there, that could be something we could get something out of. But that's that's a bit optimistic, I have to say. Yeah, but sometimes it's like how we're playing at the moment. We've probably got that mindset like we're going to play better than we did at the Etihad at the start of the season. So mm. you just don't know in football, do you? So uh, yeah. So just looking at the table, uh, we're on seventeen. We've got Palace and Villa. Um, with, we're on 17 with Leicester and Leeds. We've got Palace and Villa on 22, then Chelsea and Brentford 25 and 26 points. So 
actually, maybe maybe the 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 Chelsea chasing them it would be a bit too far to go, an eight point gap. But Villa are in eleventh on twenty two points, and if we can, I mean, they're they're doing all right at the moment, but Palace maybe they might be struggling. So there is a chance of us getting into mid table, sort yeah. of before the spring. I think. I think Wolves are going to improve under Lopetegui. Mm. And then I think I think we're still going to be in the mix. It's, I think there's a sense of inevitability about that, but we've just got to keep heads above water. I think Bournemouth, they had a really good start to the season and they're struggling at the moment. So I think they will be dragged into it. <coughs> West Ham and Everton sinking, Southampton... Are starting to get a bit adrift. So, I mean, if you look at it from the point of view, which I don't like looking at it this way, but from the point of view of are there three teams worse than us, it's possible. Yeah, then you've got Leeds are inconsistent, aren't they? So, mm. but yeah, if we, if we just carry on with what we're doing, we're a lot better side than we was like August, September time. So, yeah, if we keep plugging away and just keep getting um, wins at home, etc., and get the odd. Uh, points away from home like, so I think we'll be okay but we've just got to keep improving and uh, rest on the lows Fantastic okay so thank you to the Lovick family uh, for their uh, their transatlantic report uh, thank you to Tom Newton thank you to Steve Cooper Taiwo and the team and thank you to you for listening uh, we'll be back soon with our two cup match reports um, so thank you again And just look, looking at the table, I think, hang on, let me just bring it up. Uh, so we're on, um, oh, I've lost it. Oh, okay. That went well. Cut that bit. Podcast Network.